the last couple of episodes, you might have noticed a slight change in tone in the way I've been presenting this and putting forward some of the ideas. Part of that might have to do with some of the kind of ideas and information that I've been trying to flood my mind with, or at least I have been flooding my mind with how deliberate uh, that has been, I guess, might be another matter. But uh, when I started the process, I guess I was really looking for answers to the questions of how we can, how I can, and preferably other people's, because I, I didn't want it to be something that only I could find useful. Of course, I wanted it to be something that could be widely applicable to myself and others, but the questions of how we can find practices that will result in external benefits. So, in other words, trying to find the internal truths, the non-physical truths that can manifest in a physical way. And I think while doing this, I kind of fell in love with one of the ideas I came across, which was that in order to find out if something is true, you have to proceed as if it is true. So that's kind of how I proceeded, I think, in this whole thing. I proceeded as if the non-physical world is just as real as the physical world. And I think this is sort of what Plato was considering to be the actual, the, the entire purpose of philosophy is to seek a greater understanding of these things that aren't necessarily apparent by using our physical senses. And um, he suggested something similar along those lines, which is that things have an ideal form. And this ideal form is sort of defined outside of the physical realm. So it's an interesting idea. I mean, anything that even, even you could say, I guess, the things that we create, things that are man-made, they begin in your mind. They begin as an idea and then we translate it. And then, and so we have these, um, th these physical or mental kind of maps that we, we attribute to these things. I hope that made sense. I hope it came out the way, um, I intended it to. Um, and I, I think it, it's what follows from that is that the way that because it's it's a a journey for a search for answers the way you get to answers is by asking questions and i think we have to we have to be very meticulous when trying to determine what are the best questions to be asking and to whom and I also think there's an interesting kind of balance that that we need to find between skepticism and acceptance. Um, there, this was again, this was actually something that I believe it was Socrates that was. A lot of this is very new to me, so so bear with me. I'm I'm thinking through it as I'm learning a lot of 
a lot of these things. So I might have one or two of my facts misplaced, but I believe the what happened with Socrates was that he uh, he was notorious for asking questions, which again is the way that you you try to discover truth. And the thing is that the the uh, I guess what would you call it the um, the word the words escaping me but the uh, I guess religious institution of the day uh, the the society the the elders in charge they didn't like this they didn't like the fact that he was. A skeptic was, you know, this was sort of the first documentation of, of someone being skeptical of the concept of their gods and, and whatnot and trying to uh, trying to learn the truth by asking questions. So... So he that that was one of his strong suits was continually asking questions and and he seemed to to learn a lot about it and and uh, then but then of course so asking questions of course is good but it's also good to listen to the answers to try to understand those answers as thoroughly as possible uh, usually via asking more questions. And hopefully come to a point where you're getting a satisfactory response to to a, a at least to an extent that you can you can live with it. I mean, obviously there are a lot of questions to be answered in the world, and at some point we have to say, okay, it's it's there's either no available the answers aren't useful at this moment in time or the issue is too complex whatever there's at some point you've got to draw a line and say okay well that's i'm satisfied with that and i think i think one of the current things that mixes people up is that they're sometimes willing to ask questions but what they're not willing to do is to listen to the answers. So, and and I think that's that's where you get people who are skeptics, or what I would consider skeptics, is that they're continually asking without listening, without assessing answers fairly, uh, just determining, well, no, that that doesn't line up with what I already think, so I'm going to just discard it without considering it, which is not the essence of philosophical learning. The The essence is to try to... It, it's about gaining knowledge, and the only way you can do that is by, is by listening to the answer. So one example that came to my mind is, is the example of God. So if, if we're to start from the standpoint of the, the question is, does God exist? So, if that's the question, then who should we ask? And to, to go back, 
in order to ask a fair question, one that, you know, can be answered in a realistic way, the only way to to go forth or to, to find out if something is possible is to proceed as if it is. So you have to ask that question, assuming that God is real. So if you're to want to find out if God is real, you proceed as if he is real, then who do you ask? Well, it kind of suggests that there is only one person to ask, and that is God himself. And to make a sincere search for God. And I believe that people of true faith have gone through this process and have come to their answer. I suspect that a lot of modern-day skeptics have the... There's utility in that, right? So, but then, because we can't... We can't know everything, there's also utility in having, I guess, collaboration with with others. Um, so, uh, so for example, uh, again, to, to stay on the same topic, so when it comes to religious learning, you're not, it's, that by itself is going to be a huge topic, so you can't hope to know everything, certainly not at once, and, and you've got to build, build upon your level of understanding, and since, even, even let's say if you get an answer um, from God in, in sort of a spiritual kind of way, because that's what it's about. It's obviously about a, a spiritual confirmation. You, God's not going to answer every one of your questions individually. So this is where we need to, you would need to adopt a religion that where you trust that the leadership has gone through the same process and they are, in fact, spokesmen of God. That's why it's important to, to trust everything. So, for example, if say if you've gone through this process and you feel that you want to uh, be Catholic, so you would have to trust that the Pope is the spokesman of God and as such that the, the people appointed into positions of authority have... Uh, been, been done so and chosen appropriately. So, so uh, to to kind of go back to the idea of, of modern day skeptics. So, I think this was kind of an epiphany to me that I think what they are experiencing and the reason why so many of them have contempt towards organized religion is they feel that religion is cutting off questions. They want to ask questions. This is how, uh, this is how you get to an understanding. And generally speaking, if you want to understand, it's where it's the specific areas where you something doesn't seem right or something is confusing that you want to ask questions. But then if 
if a religion or multiple religions claim to have the answers to that, then no more questions need be asked, right? Where that's kind of flawed is that I, now I can only say this as far as Christianity because certain, I, I don't know the, the philosophy on this specific thing in, in other religions. I know other aspects of these religions, but I don't know specifically about this, but in Christianity, of course, Christ had the, the famous, uh, It was it was almost a commandment. It wasn't even just a suggestion. It was to seek and you ye, ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Of course, you might not like what you find, or you might just ignore it. But he wants, he 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 compelled people to ask questions and to search. So, if the experience of skeptics has been that they ask questions and then their questions get shot down, then first of all, it's completely understandable that they would hold, you know, antagonism and, and animosity towards religion. But whoever the perpetrator was of shutting this down obviously didn't understand it understand the concept themselves. And if this was a person of authority, some kind of leadership capacity in this particular, wherever this ha happened in this hypothetical situation, then I would say that that person uh, should probably not be in a position of authority. Now, this again is with the understanding that reasonable answers are listened to, right? Because if you're just asking questions to get on somebody's nerves or to annoy them or to trick them. So I made the example in, in one of the earlier episodes where, you know, those trick questions like, the the quickest example that, that springs to my mind is when they say, okay, well, uh, God wants us all to go to heaven because in heaven there is no sorrow. and But not everyone can go there because you have to earn it. So people you love, friends, might not wind up there. So how can it be? that there's no sorrow, right? So these kind of trick questions, these scenarios, I, I do have the answer to that question, by the way, <laughs> because some they, when they pose these questions, they make you think, and the answer to that question is that the, the person asking that type of question or the whole, can, can God create a boulder that's so heavy that he can't lift it up. Those kind of questions. The answer is simply, this scenario you've created isn't what God created. You created it. 
So you have the answer to that. You are the God in this scenario, so you tell me. So I suppose what follows is to ask, what have I learned so far in this journey of... I was about to say a journey of learning, but an, at least an attempted journey of learning, if nothing else. I, no, I would say it was, it's been a, a journey of learning. What have I learned that new? What have I learned new that can be translated from the non-physical into the physical world? In other words, what... What modes of being, I guess, can I transfer out of thought into the world to make my reality a better one? Wow, that's... I'm glad you asked. I think there's a lot of things, and first and foremost, it can't be understated that the very process of undertaking the practice of seeking the questions to ask and seeking the answers has been, it's been fulfilling on one hand, it continues to be fulfilling on the other hand, it also keeps me up at night sometimes because It's hard to feel settled at the end of the day when there's so many questions circulating your mind that remain unanswered. I think I've... I think I've found that by undertaking this, my understanding of myself has grown in certain ways because I've been asking questions about myself. And upon learning them, upon understanding myself better, as, as you might there was, well, I think there's been a couple of recent episodes where I admit to things I discovered about myself that I was uncomfortable with. Those were, those were difficult things to try to deal with, but the fact that I ultimately did face them head on, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've overcome all of these things, and certainly that there are no more things to discover. There's going to be a lot of things that I probably discover about myself that could be better. But the thing is, as I work on these, it's made my strength of character stronger. I'm, I'm very confident in that. And in making my strength and character uh, of strength, sorry, strength of character stronger, it makes me 
walk around with a sense of confidence in myself. A sense of self-assuredness. And I know that when I've entered into the gym, and as I mentioned in a previous episode, I... I sort of started using the idea of a an alter ego, but the funny thing is, is that that's melted away a little bit recently because I don't need that persona as much anymore, which I admit it sounds like an odd concept, but... Once you've gone through this process, I think you would probably agree with me that it's it's a it's kind of a crutch, a helpful crutch. I mean, and and after a while, you you don't need it anymore because I've been finding recently I can go to the gym and I can get myself into the appropriate mindset without without necessarily having to switch modes into my identity so that that I think is another been been another benefit the practice of visualization pre-workout and meditation post-workout has been another pretty powerful combination that that I've I've found to be quite helpful in a very practical way, even though sort of on the surface they might seem like things that are um how can I put it? They might they might seem like kinda pointless or placebo or what have you, but they seem to have made a difference and again this a lot of this could be internally but the reality is that it doesn't matter because my world is experienced inside of me same with everyone else at least i presume because i only have one reality and that's the one i'm experiencing and my goal is to make that reality as good as it can be. And whether or not these things have had as much of a true impact as I feel they have doesn't really matter in the end. As long as they contribute towards improving my experience of reality, my experience of life. Um, I think maybe another benefit that is worth noting is the fact that I've found myself more self-aware. And again, that's something that on the surface seems kind of potentially not that big, but if you consider it, And a perfect example came about five minutes ago when I came home for lunch and I ate my, it was my my first 
real meal, I'll call it, I take at lunchtime around 11 or 12. And I'm normally hungry by that point because all I've had to had is my pre-workout, some whey, don't judge. And then I, I normally come home and I have my first real meal at lunchtime. And so I'm ready. I, I normally have a either eggs mixed with some vegetables or today I actually had some ground beef mixed up into with again with vegetables and and I used some taco seasoning made it a nice little chili after I had my serving of this delicious thing I wanted more and I think it was but you know I told myself well or rather I asked myself, do you really need more or are you just being a bit gluttonous here? Is it, are you just enjoying it because you're enjoying it? And, and, and I actually started thinking about my body. I, my mind went inside like my stomach and I was picturing it getting fatter kind of. This was all automatic. I didn't think about doing this. This process happened on its own quick enough that I was able to say, yeah, you know what, I'm satiated, well, not, I'm good, we'll say, and I, I put the food away for another time. So this this has been another benefit that I don't think uh, should be overlooked. So I know this was a little bit all over the place today. It was a lot of ideas bundled into one. I think it's a good starting point. I'm going to continue this the next time, I think, and, and do something similar where I really try to organize my thoughts in terms of the subject matter and talk through them in a similar kind of way. Anyway, I hope you liked it, and I'll chat with you next time.